Hello, hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome to Too Legit to QT. I'm your host today, Darkoya Koya Connor. And today I am so excited because we are here with the writer and director of the subject, Lanny Zipway and Chisa Hutchinson. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes. So like I said prior, we know so many people. Um, for those of you listening, Lanny did a film with Tish, my co-host. So they know each other and their producers, <laughs> directors, which we're going to go into uh, when we do our deep dive in a second. Um, extraordinaire. And Chisa, you are a writer and you're all in the Broadway, like off-Broadway <laughs> spectrum. Okay, but we're putting it all, we're wrapping it all together. We're wrapping it all together. But the your your colleagues, all of all of you are writing such beautiful work. So um, we know a lot of mutual people. So I kind of feel like you're friends to the show already. So that's really exciting. You actually look like you're in a theater, Chisa. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm in my basement. Um, <laughs> I, have a, I have a screening room in my basement. Um, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's because um, I also I've been well, I've been doing a lot more. I started you know playwriting, but I've been doing a lot more screenwriting and um, and things. So it just felt like a natural thing to have in one space. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I noticed that because I see that you are a playwright, but you wrote the subject, this incredible film. And I could definitely tell that it was really good writing. I mean, the actors, and we'll get into that in a second, mm -hmm. but I mean, one minute you thought it was going to go this way, <laughs> and then the next minute you thought it was going to go that way. And the characters were so multi-dimensional and so complex while dealing with race i was completely blown away i mean i don't i don't want to give uh give any spoilers but i mean that conversation you know in the house with jason biggs and and Anjanu, I, I was like what's going on here <laughs> so what inspired you to let's go over the synopsis so the subject follows a successful white documentary filmmaker as he deals with the fallout from his last film, which caught the murder of a black teen on tape while he shoots a new docu-series for a major network. And someone films his every move threatening his idyllic life. So um, what inspired you to write a movie like this? Because this was, this was, it was really interesting, the concept and the thought, because it was like life imitating art and a concept within a concept. Oh, what inspired good. you to just write something like this? Um, I had been thinking a lot about, cause this is, this is quite old. I started, I got the idea for it. I want to say like, Oh, 11 or 12 years ago. Um, and I've been percolating a lot on like the, the line between exploration of a topic or a subject and exploitation mm. of that subject, right? So um, it started with um, watching a news segment This where this, this news reporter was um, being homeless for two weeks. I really, I can't like do enough air quotes around that because it's like so... <laughs> Uh, so she decided she was going to be homeless for two weeks and she wandered the streets of wherever she was, Chicago, I don't know, right? She was one wandering the streets and, you know, eating out of trash cans and sleeping on a, on a, on a cardboard box and, you know, with her camera crew following her around. And I was just like, what kind of, <laughs> what kind of mess is this? What kind of mess is this? Um, so yeah, I mean, that really got me thinking about, um, how artists and you know journalists documentarians filmmakers you know how anyone who has like a particular subject or wants to explore a topic or you know mm -hmm. um and has to use other people and um you know put other people's lives on display in order to in order to do that um mm -hmm. like that there's this weird process um that really involves shutting off your own humanity and just regarding the person that you're, um, you know, treating as your subject. It really just you have to just treat them as a as a, as a subject. You know, like they they can't be human to you. You can't like really necessarily relate to them, one human mm -hmm. to another. Um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so um, that's where that's where the idea initiated. Um, there's also a, um, I don't know, I don't know if you know this, the photograph that was taken by Kevin Carter's Pulitzer Prize winning photographer who um, took the picture of there's an African child, a, a girl, totally emaciated, sitting in in the dust, and there's a vulture hovering behind her just waiting for her to die mm. um, and this guy in an interview admitted to waiting 20 minutes for the vulture to spread its wings and it didn't so he just took the picture anyway and went on his way and you know that's what he he won the pulitzer for that for that photograph and then committed suicide shortly after um and it just it made me wonder about like what his state of mind must have been and um how i mean it, it couldn't have been it couldn't have been too healthy right mm -hmm. <laughs> either while he was taking the photo um and, or after you know when he realized maybe i'm just i'm assuming i probably should not make assumptions but i have to i don't know just for my own my own sense of humanity like i have to believe that he recognize the implications of of his own actions mm -hmm. uh, so anyway yeah that's that's where the idea for the subject um came from and i wrote it initially as a play um at <laughs> at school in grad school at nyu okay. <laughs> okay. yeah nyu the connection man okay um, <laughs> the tish circle um so yeah i wrote it there like 10 years ago and um, yeah, I, I tried to write a screen. I wrote a screenplay um, for this guy who was interested in making it a film, but then he was like, yeah, this is great, but I'm really more interested in like exploring Malcolm and how, how come he joins the gang, right? And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's, not, that's not really, that's not really the story I'm trying to tell though, you know? Hey. <laughs> Um, I, we, it just so happened that, that that collaboration dissolved. Like he had a baby and I was like, all right, cool. Just go over here. With my <laughs> right, <husband."> right. <laughs> um, and then Lanny, and then Lanny called up one day and um, asked if I had any any screenplays to share because she wanted to make a movie. And I was like, you're damn right. I got a script. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Well, I definitely, Lanny, wanna, want to talk to you both about how you all um, how you all met each other and how you decided to collaborate. But I did want to comment, Chisa, on um, what I thought was really powerful about this. Like you just said, we don't, as a black woman, we don't want to hear these stories that have been told over and over and over again about these characters and this like one aspect of black life. We don't want to mm -hmm. see that. We're so late. We're just as layered as any other human beings. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I really appreciated about this story because it wasn't your typical, oh, this is a film about a, a guy in a gang. And not saying that you can't, a boy in a gang, not saying that you can't tell that story in a very unique mm -hmm. way, but I just thought that the the themes and the topics and, and the subject, it was, it was just so complex and multifaceted and you just touched on, I mean, not only were you talking about like exploitation and what we, what we as filmmakers do at the cost of like, for the cost of art, but also people, people capitalizing on black pain. Yeah. And um, I just yeah. really appreciated that lens um, and how we, we didn't have to spell it out. We don't have to have conversations in our group with our groups of, black friends where we're like, this is exploitation. No, you spelled it out. That's what it was, but we'll get into it. That scene though, where I mean, Jason, I, just, I mean, the writing, I was like, ah, ah. And then I was like, well, you have to take your ownership and you have to take your ownership. It was just, it, and, and, I, and I understand why it was a play first. And I'm happy that it was a play. And I don't think that it would have been as great of a film if it wasn't a play first. Because there's sometimes there's just a depth to plays that sometimes when filmmaking, you just don't get to in the writing. But you guys were able to marry it both. So Lanny, how did you and Chisa meet? And how did you decide to embark upon doing the subject? Because you're a producer and you're and you're you're 
moving into directing, mm -hmm. which a lot of women are doing, which is so yeah. amazing and incredible. And I just want to know about that journey overall, because, you know, all right. Yeah. Yes. Women filmmakers. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Right. More of us, please. You know, she said I've known each other through theater. In fact, I don't even know if I remember how we first met. We sort of circled each other, I think, for a while. And then over a decade ago, we worked on this collaborative play called um, Seven Sins in 60 Minutes. And different female playwright wrote a different scene for one of the sins. And of course, Chisa had lust. And it was performed in the dark and it had people laughing and it was fun and it was sexy and hot and like everything that in the dark, you know, but man, those actors went for it. And everybody, everybody was so hoping we would turn the lights on, you know, to see, to be able to see what was happening under, under the covers. Um, I want to see, I want to see. It was really good. It was really, really good. So um, not surprising. And then I've, you know, Knowing her, I've gotten to see a lot of her work off Broadway plays, read it, you know, award winning, like, and just incisive. And one of these writers who is, is just somebody that is generous of spirit, mm -hmm. but also really, really rigorous with the work that she does, you know, mm -hmm. wants it to be a certain way. So when I had an opportunity to direct that came through some producing and other things, I reached out, I actually reached out to a number of people who sent me scripts, but Chisa was sort of at the top of my list. And when she sent me the subject, well, that was it. It was like love at first sight. You know, you're just like, I can't imagine doing any, I can't fall for anybody else. The script is so rich, as you said, the viewpoints, um, the writing, the story, like everything about it. And then there's Chisa, because everybody should want to work with Chisa, truly. I mean, she's so lovely. She was on set. She gives the best hugs. Don't tell her I said that. And, <laughs> um, and you know, see, infectious laugh, like she brings joy. And, but, you know, she also is so smart. So maybe there was something on, on when she was on set and she was like, hey, Lanny, what do you think about this and we would try it and so it felt a little bit like a theater collaboration and i mm -hmm. i personally believe um not so much in the auteur theory i really believe that it's a collaborative process right. and you invite everybody to bring the best ideas and let the best idea win mm -hmm. and so i just the thought of working with chisa brought so much joy to me that but then the script was so good it was like i would be an idiot <laughs> and to be honest, when I optioned it, I think her agents were like, oh, why haven't we sold this before? Like, I think they were like, we we were sitting on a gold mine and we didn't even know. Like, they really were like, that is so good. And I was like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, let's talk about that because um, we have had so many people on the show who've basically told us like, this manager told them that they weren't talented or, um, you know, just undergoing so much adversity and people seeing them and seeing their talent. And, not, and I'm not saying that that was your experience, Chisa, but here you had this script for 10 years and it took somebody to see it in the light in which it needed to be seen to actually produce it so that way it could be seen. Um, what advice can you give to other filmmakers, Lanny, on, make sure, Lanny, Lanny. Yeah, yeah. Lanny. Okay, I want to make sure. Whatever you call me, don't worry. Not because my full <laughs> name is Darkoya and people butcher it all the time, so oh, we're going to get it right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Darkoya. We're, we're all <laughs> members of the Unusual Name Club. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And I refuse to just throw us away. You know, it's like we we have our our different our little differences, our little unique names yeah. on purpose. <laughs> so, Leah, yeah. yes. Um, what advice can you give to other filmmakers on you know persevering and knowing that they are talented or knowing that they have a great body of work, but getting it to a place where they can be seen? Because as artists, we kind of like wrestle with that. Okay, I know I'm talented. I know this is good. Um, or I know that I, I'm i professional and I have a certain skill, but at the same time, I also need to be hired and I need to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what yeah, advice would you give them on like 
finding that middle ground between believing in yourself, but also like um, finding co people to collaborate with? Yeah, I mean, I think that there are a couple of things. Um, one, control what you can control. So much mm -hmm. is out of our control. And if you focus on that, I mean, even the subject was a heavy lift in many ways. So every day I just thought, what today is in my control? What can I check off the list? And you just keep marching forward. I mean, I think the pandemic over the last bit has shown us like, what control do we really have over life and what's coming next? I mean, other things in our own personal lives show us that and, and reveal that in many ways as well. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, really focus on that because especially if you believe in yourself and you know your work, then that's also a great thing. And I would say that know your work. The mm -hmm. first thing, the more you know yourself, and I mean, you can figure that out in any way, whether that's creative, whether that's spiritually, mentally, whatnot. I think that that's really important um, in terms of you'll have clarity as an artist, you'll make better work. And then I think know your values. We've been talking about this a bit, but what sort of space do you want to work in? Because I think, and especially now, because these conversations have come up more so over the last couple of years, but if you create a work environment that you believe in and that really is inclusive and supportive, then people want to work with you. They want to, gra they gravitate. And likewise, I know money is a thing and sometimes we have to take jobs we don't want to. I get that. I totally understand. But try <laughs> as best as you can to work with people who are going to value you as a creative, value your input, value your time, mm. and value like if you need space or whatever it is. These to me are sort of the three pillars of how to have a sustainable career and work with other people. Mm. Do you have a book? I mean, I just feel like that was just laid out like boom, 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 and this yeah. is why. And there are the three pillars. Okay, yeah. is there a book? Is there a I'm, book? You you caught it coming in twenty twenty two. I can't wait. wait. I know I know what I'm talking about. I know I know what I'm talking about. I'm just like wait. Okay, I love it. So everybody buy Lenny's book. Okay, because it's coming out in twenty twenty two. Um and. One of the things that I also saw with the subject is timing. I think that sometimes we 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 want to do certain things. We're like, I'm ready for this to happen. I'm ready to enter into this season. But some things are about timing. I remember I spoke with a advertising executive and she kind of broke down Oprah and why Oprah was so successful. And she said, yes, Oprah did this and she did that. But a huge portion of why Oprah was so successful is because she came at a time when people were ready to receive her. There was nobody like her on the market. They needed a black female, they needed a female host. And then the fact that she was also black allowed her to be able to take up that space and hold that space. And this film came out during the pandemic, 2020, correct? During the pandemic, when we were dealing with um, everything with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, all of the, the killings and whatnot. And so I, I believe that this being released happened at a time when people were ready to have conversa real conversations um, and, and needed something like this. So I also think like the timing of it was kind of serendipitous a little bit as well. Um, I don't know what, you, what are your thoughts around all of that, like the film being released in this climate? What's weird about it is that, again, I wrote it over 10 years ago, yeah. right? Right. Um, and I just, you know, there were, I, the first instance of, you know, police brutality against black, against black men, mm -hmm. and our black man that I remember hearing about was Rodney King. And that was back right. in what, 94? 94, 92, yeah. 92, was it? Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm like 12 years old getting this messaging, right? Like that mm -hmm. black lives don't matter. And so the, the, it, it's nothing, it's nothing new to me. Like it's nothing new to black people who pay attention to the news, right? Like it's, um, so this, I, I, I wanna say, yeah, it was serendipitous or, or it was, um, yeah, people are, I guess, 
more ready to have this conversation, mm-hmm. but it's still a very difficult conversation to have. Yeah. And there's still a lot of people who remain unconvinced that it's a conversation that needs to be had. Um, so no, from no. my perspective, it, I, I just, I don't know that the, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure that the timing, <laughs> I'm not necessarily sure that the timing helps because there's still just so much resistance and and we're more polarized than ever, I think, on, um, <laughs> on whether or not Black Lives Matter, I which, know. you know, is sad. Um, yeah. And I want to be, I want to be more optimistic about it. I really do. Um, but again, the fact that I wrote this 10 years ago, the fact that, you know, I, I had all of the, the necessary messaging inside me already to like, Mm -hmm. be able to write the play in, you know, since I was 12, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. or, you know, and before, because that's just what I consciously can recall Mm -hmm. Uh, is. It, make, it makes it it makes it difficult to be um, like, oh yeah, this is a great time for this movie. I'm like, it's been a great time. Every time right. it's been a great time, right? For a movie like this, so yeah, that's, that's yeah. I think it's I think it's sadly timely, right? Like not what we want, and we've struggled with this. So last year when we premiered it was in the middle of the pandemic we didn't know what was going to happen with film festivals etc and and we ended up moving forward um and going with a virtual festival which actually our reps did not want us to do and i understand their reasoning i'm not throwing them under the bus they wanted us to wait for a festival carpet premiere the whole thing having lived in New York during the height of it being hit, I was like, I don't know, I'm skeptical when that's gonna happen. And oh, yeah. you know, like, I'm not sure. And then, you know, the videotape of Ahmad Arbery was released mm-hmm. and we had to make a decision if we were gonna go virtual. And we said, you know what? I think we need to, it feels mm-hmm. like this film is a conversation starter um, and definitely impactful. But then our actual premiere was one week after George Floyd was murdered. Mm. And, you know, how do you promote this? Like, I don't want to be Phil in this situation and cannibalize and say, mm. hey, come see this film and, like, you know, and use these deaths that we see on the, because that's not, we're trying to get away from that. So um, that part has been really tough. Like, we want people to yeah. see the film and engage with it. And we've seen the impact at the festivals of different ages, different races, ethnic groups, different experiences in life and how impactful this film can be. But at the same time, we want to retain the authenticity that I think Phil doesn't really have in this movie and not be like, just look at me and let me build off the pain of Black people. Like, and mm-hmm. that's, that's a challenge, you know, it's a real challenge. Oh, a hundred percent. I, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Chisa. Oh, oh. Um, I was just gonna say like, even our, even. <laughs> not to put them on blast, but like even our agents had a difficult time finding the right language to like pitch this um, when we were looking for a distributor, you know, they were just like, we don't want to, you know, uh, they, they, felt, they felt icky about, you know, trying to have the conversation, you know, trying to start this conversation with you. Yeah. So it, I mean, even, even the people who like really believe in it, you know, and, and like, <laughs> have every reason to like to to um to make sure that the film is as, as successful as it can be had a really tough time of you know talking about it so. well what i see is that and we'll talk about this which is the impact that you wanted the film to make because even though technically like let's just say the goal is for you to get like a large audience to watch it, clearly the film impacted people because once again, you have life imitating art, art imitating life and people, I mean, even you, Lanny, you were like, I don't wanna be like uh, Jason Biggs character. And you probably had your agents 
and people promoting the film who were like, well, wait a second, we have this film that raised all of these questions that pricked something with probably within them. And then they were holding themselves accountable. So I also feel like that's success within itself. I mean, just listening to you talk, I'm just saying, like, right? I mean, am I wrong? Like, if people no, are, I'm like, come join our team. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, my, me and marketing, I like, you know, I'm just all for real. It. I'm like, where have you been all my life? Like, somebody you, know? Asked, you know, somebody asked me. I'm actually, um, I can let our listeners know. I'm actually. Um, parts on producing uh, the Tanya Acker show. She's a judge on Hot Bench now. Um, but somebody asked, do you have a, a master's degree in marketing? Because I was like, no, it's about this and about this. But I just listen to what people say and I gather and I'm listening to what you all are saying. And I'm like, well, wait a second. I mean, the film is accomplishing what it's supposed to accomplish in the promotion of the film. I love it. I think your book is coming out in 2022 as well. <laughs> Everything's coming out in 20 to yes let me tell you motivation life show up for yourself all of all of the things 100 thank you Lenny. i appreciate that but i literally almost screamed when i heard that ingenue ellis was in this because i love her um so i mean like literally i absolutely love her. Um, i have a friend that staying with me when i was watching the film and like casting it onto my tv she was like Oh, I love her. I was like, I know. Like, you don't even have to, like, every time somebody sees her, they're just like, yes. That's it. A friend of mine posted on Facebook a few months ago was like, can we just give Anjanu Ellis all of the awards? And I was like, there's never been a better post on Facebook, I don't think, in my life. I mean, all of them. She is so, every time I see her, including in this film, she is just so in it. I mean, I don't even see her. I just see the character. I mean, she just immerses herself in it. And I actually really also like Jason Biggs' performance as well, because I was like, that has to be, that's a fine line, even as an as a as an artist, um, being able to authentically play this character that is so um that, that's in this place of turmoil where they're battling with their conscience, you know what I mean? And so I wanted to know how did they become associated with the project? Did you know, like, the, these are the individuals that we want to play the characters or did, you know, did you find that out during casting? Um, maybe you can go to and then you, Lanny, or vice versa. Yeah, um, we, I, I, I'm with, I, my, agent, my agency is ICM. Um, and mostly they are ICM repped that we have access. But we also had a really kick-ass casting director named Destiny. She, yes, Destiny. She's so amazing. She just has. Um, so working with with her, we were able to. Um, really, really hone in on some incredibly gifted people um, and hardworking people um, mm -hmm. who, I mean, Niall, she's why we know Niall and, um, and Caleb and, 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 oh my goodness, just, um, but yeah, with, with Jason Biggs, um, that was, we were, when I heard his name, because I had, I had like ideas, I was like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna feel really badly for saying this now, but like, oh, maybe um, yeah, let's get like Bradley Cooper. Yeah, like yeah, let's let's see if we can get that guy. Like shoot for the stars, you know? Like whatever. Just, let's go, let's go. And then um, yeah, and then ICM was like, so hey, let's just we just want to float some ideas by you. What do you think of what do you think of Jason Biggs? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And the more I thought about it, the more Perfect. I was like. Oh my God! Like yes, of course. Like, and then I couldn't even I couldn't even picture anyone else in the role because he mm -hmm. just Bradley who? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's that's what that's what that was. Like he, I mean, when you can blow Bradley Cooper out of my head, like you you doing okay? <laughs> right, I'm just I'm watching Bradley. <laughs> Hi Bradley, if you're watching this, I love you. Um, but yeah, um, we went to the same school. He went to ah! ASU. 
at the actually drama school at ASDS. We had the same seat. Uh, ah! Yes, I met that him one time. Awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, no, no offense, Riley Cooper, but Jason Day is kind of like stole your shine. Um, <laughs> yeah. just, he's just like such a likable, you know, he's so, just such an affable, likable, like you believe that that dude could go into Harlem and be cool with everybody. Oh, yeah. He literally did that. Like when we were filming, he was just, people were coming up to him and talking. He was like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, like he's just, he's, he's chill. He's, he's cool. He's like really, really cool. just yeah. such a cool dude. And you just buy that he's this like New York filmmaker who could get people of all from all walks of life to trust him mm -hmm. and open up to him and um but also that he can have this sort of you know maybe a, a, a darker side and the fact that mm -hmm. Jason was able to like really man like that he he went there um, oh, I mean, he there. went like Viola Davis. You know what I'm saying? When I, that yeah. moment, you know, because Viola always, you know, you always know yeah. it's on a Viola film. If you don't see the spot, we just let's call it what it is because, you know, there's memes about it. But when he, when that's not it, <laughs> I was like, yeah, even though it was a really proper moment, I almost screamed. I was like, Yes, and the fact the fact that you allowed that, Lanny, I was like, yes, you yeah, just yeah, we're, like, we're keeping wow. that in. We're keeping that in. I didn't call it the Viola Davis moment, but I will never see it as another way again. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, you know, and he, the other part of him is he's really likable, as Chisa was saying, and. You know, there are films, and I'm not trying to throw this film under the bus or anything like that, but like a film like Knives Out, which is looking at class and everything. The truth is, is there's still distance. Like there's a joke that Maria, who is um, the helper of the of the very white family, um, there's a joke that each family member thinks she's from a different country. But I never know as an audience member where she's from or any specificity in that, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm distanced to make fun of this white family for their lack of knowledge while never having to investigate my own. Oh. You know, and I get it, it's a well-made film, it's funny, it's got all of these things. Mm -hmm. But the great thing with Jason is I think that audience can't detach from him. Mm -hmm. So particularly white audiences go on that ride and then start to have to look at themselves a little bit and examine mm -hmm. what would I have done? Because you just identify with them. Like he's just mm -hmm. so likable. And you know, in real life and on screen, like people want to be Jason Biggs and have since he was like 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And I took once you meet him, you totally understand. But he has a depth of emotion. And I think he mm -hmm. got there. Mm -hmm. But I think he also got there because when you have a scene partner like Anjanu Ellis, as you were saying, like they really they loved each other. They drove each other yes. to be better. And you know, she was, I mean, they were both our first choice. Um Bradley accepted, of course, but um, <laughs> <laughs> never settled. It was on before that. I knew any better. Bradley's going to be in the next room. Yeah, it, that was That's just the dartboard of casting, right? But you know, Anjanu was always number one. Like once I saw her in Girls Town, like I haven't stopped looking, and mm -hmm. she is one of the best human beings you could meet, one of the most solid actors, and their chemistry together may not be what you would think. What you wouldn't necessarily go, oh, Jason and Anjanu, but boy, they they yeah. love working together. And I mean, I think they're dynamic. Oh, that scene when she came to the door blew me out of the water. And like I said, I think it was a combination of the writing and directing and acting because one minute I thought it was gonna go one way. <laughs> and then when he, sh I mean, the beats, the beats when she when he shifted it over and put it on her and she was like, well, wait a second. It's <laughs> like, like well, where were you? And played back the tape. I said, oh, okay. Wow. This is very interesting. And like you said, Lanny, I be at one point I even as a black woman started to empathize with him. Mm -hmm. and I was like, that's, that's Chisa and Jason right there. That's a potent combination. I did. I was like, well, wait a second. Like I I don't I don't understand what's happening, but I mean, and I don't want to give away the film, but 
just so many things happened in that that one scene. How are you able though to with the actors whenever you're handling like sensitive subject matter? How are you able to like navigate them in that space? Make sure that they were grounded when they grounded before and after um, going into that space and coming out of it. Because at the same time, um, you filmed what in 2019? 2018, 2019, yeah. Okay, so not not in the pandemic per se. Thankfully, but, yeah, but, it would have been a lot harder to film in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I. I have a weird sort of, I mean, I think other directors do this too, but I try to enter the scene with the energy that I want the actors to have. Mm. Like I'm not going into that scene and we're going to bada boot, we're going to do this and this and that. that's not the energy that they need. That would be horrific. So right. I try and enter in with where I want them to be placed essentially. You know, we, we only had one rehearsal with the two of them and okay. brief, brief, but then I would meet with them off set before we would go down to set and we would go through the beats because it's, you know, it's momentous. We shot that, that scene over four days and mm -hmm. because of scheduling, had to shoot two days, had two days off and then shot two more days. And I mm -hmm. actually think that was the best because mm -hmm. it gave space. It's so heavy and mm -hmm. it meant that they were really refreshed for the last two days as opposed mm -hmm. to going through that for four days straight. Mm -hmm. But you know, I think you work with great actors and you have a great script because there are two things we're tracking in that scene in terms of beats. The individual beats where it's just that moment by moment and then you have that twist. But then the overarching, it's almost like a three act play in a way, like looking at the over, arching part that we can get there. And so I'm very grateful to them. I'm, I was a first time feature director and these two actors of note really, and really put themselves in my hands. I mean, really in Chisa's words, but it, it's amazing that they said yes, because this is heavy lifting and very deep excavatory emotional work. Mm -hmm. that is res you know really really resonant so i'm i'm grateful that they that they did that and so what i was really focused on is making sure i mean obviously that they hit the beats but i trusted that that i was able to watch the arc of it so that they could mm -hmm. her that the whole thing was going to work and that the individual moments were popping mm -hmm. absolutely and i think you did an incredible job it was like oh Lenny's directing is really good and also the writing, of course, Tisa. Yes. Um, but the, the reason why I say that is because typically we're, as an audience member, when you're watching a play, you're used to that kind of dynamic, mm -hmm. which is yeah. two people in a room. But for that conversation to take up that amount of space and time in a film and to still be captivated as an audience member, that is very difficult to do and especially if they're not moving around and doing a lot and they were i mean i i all i saw was just the conversation i didn't i wasn't like oh i'm ready for this to be over like i okay i understand well i do i mean you know we do that sometimes just like why like why is this why are we still keeping this why like we need to chop it up but I didn't feel that way with that. So that definitely was a testament to your directing, Lanny, and just um, showing, like like you said, showing the overall arc and the characters being able to really be in that space and for the, us as the audience member to receive that without, I mean, I hate to say it, essentially getting like a little bit bored or just lost or just wanting the next scene to start. <laughs> I, mean, I would just say one thing about Jesus writing. It's never boring. Like that would be, you know, like ever, it will never be. But yeah, I mean, I just want to give a shout out to Darren Joe, our director of photography, because we really mapped out that scene. Like, I don't know, I happened to go back and look at our, um, our shot selection the other day. And I was like, oh my God, like it's so minute detail with everything. Yeah, so specific. I, so specific i've even forgotten about about this yeah. but you know we wanted it to move around the room show it make you also still feel claustrophobic and darren was really able to help achieve that mm -hmm. he has this shot with um Anjanu where i think he like it's like he's right here and she's just kind of like sitting and mm -hmm. after he's giving her the information and you're just 
so glued to the the screen and then that shot on the top after the conversation of the stairs i i was like oh okay i mean it just happened it was like you're you're here with them on ground level and then you're up here and then you're seeing them and you're seeing both of them um, and it's a lot of symbolism there. It's like, okay, all right, I see you guys doing yeah. it. I'm, so I'm so glad you mentioned that. We're proud of that shot. Oh, yeah, I, saw it. I saw it all. I saw it. I was like, hmm, okay, there you go. Um, so, so yes. Um, but I know that we're coming, we're approaching the end of our podcast. Um, so I just wanted to ask you all a few more questions. Um, what impact do you hope that this film will make? And if you can... You, you can both decide who goes first. Let's see, Lanny. Okay, I'll go. You know, I've seen the impact it's had on audiences. I want a lot of people to see it. Um, we also are planning to go to schools, both um, documentary. We're actually going to be speaking a journalism school coming up. We've spoken to teenage filmmakers. I want people to be thoughtful about the decisions we make and think about how we share humanity with each other. That's, you know, ultimately my hope. And to be honest, I really hope that there's some notice for Jason, Ingenue, Chisa, because I th honestly, I put their work up against anything and I'm super proud of it. And I would like it to have some recognition if I'm, I'm just gonna put it out there, right? Like, don't they say like, I need to build the vision board. I, I'll get on that, but, you know, like, that's also what I want. The vision board, I, I love vision boards. I have a vision board and I like wrote a note to myself. <laughs> um last year so i don't even know what i wrote so we'll see at the end yeah. <laughs> your book coming out in 2022 i bet well all of our books are gonna come yes. out and we're gonna promote it together it's gonna be a trilogy like yes. about women, women showing up for their lives mm -hmm. <laughs> what about you chisha what about chisa what impact do you hope that this film will make yeah i just really want um everyone to interrogate themselves, <laughs> you know, a little bit. Um, I want everyone to see them, to see a little bit of the fill in themselves. I want everyone Ooh. to see the, um, you know, the Leslie in them. So, you know, I just, I want everyone to be able to take an honest look at their own behavior and their own attitudes toward other humans and give themselves permission you know or, or to forgive themselves you know um, and to do better right like if if just to to be able to sort of recognize um those traits um within yourself and and not not judge not feel mm -hmm. judged, right? Without feeling judged, right? So I hope that I've done the characters enough justice and um, uh, have made them, uh, you know, relatable enough for people to go, oh, you know, uh, okay, not so, not so bad. Or Ooh, I, you know, <laughs> um, I, I might, I may have done something like that in a, you know, in in one instance. Um, to just really to not feel judged and to just be able to forgive yourself for. Um, engaging in those behaviors and um, harboring those attitudes and then move on. That's mm -hmm. the important part, right? To move on, to recognize, be like, yeah, that's a little messed up. I should maybe fix that and then fix it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and then do something different. That's that's what I hope. Mm. I, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I definitely saw myself in Jason as well, um, which was interesting. And I said, you know, even as an artist, we have to constantly like hold ourselves accountable and ask those questions like, okay, am I doing this for my ego? Am I doing this for money? Like how important is this and why? And Am I going to compromise my integrity, my morals for this? Um, and and what what is that compass? Um, and I, I definitely saw that in Jason. And I said, you know, this even though he's he's the white character, mm -hmm. um, as a filmmaker, as an artist, we all have to do that. We all have to cross check and examine ourselves and make sure, like, yes, I'm on this journey, but I'm not willing to compromise who I am. Um, I'm for it. So 
um, it was you definitely. What is that emotional? I love that. Like, what am I doing this for? Right? Is it the ego? Is it? The, and I think mm -hmm. is if you can be honest with like your motivations for doing a thing, right? With me, I'm like, yeah, I've definitely taken jobs just for the money, right? Like that's <laughs> that's fine. Right. But like, I also do have that thing, you know, when you have a north star, whatever that may be, right? For me, it's like. It's kind of like the doctors of like, okay, do no harm, right? Right. 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 Like if I can't, if I can't get paid buckets of money to do like, <laughs> you know, to pursue my like artistic mission of like really um, doing justice to 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 people who I feel are underrepresented, right? And um, if I can't do that, and if I'm just having to do something else to like pay the bills, right? The least I can do is not do harm. <laughs> I mean, exactly, exactly. Um, I remember back when I was graduating from grad school, um, I started reading a lot of books on personal self-development and self-help and motivation. And I remember that was the first time that I started to understand that my purpose wasn't in my job. Um, I think as an artist, I was like, oh, I'm an actress and my purpose is to like be this actress and do this and do that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh no, my purpose is what I was put here on this earth to do, what I was created to do. And it has nothing to do with my job. Um, I fulfill my purpose in different capacities. So my purpose is to motivate and inspire people. I might do that through storytelling as an mm -hmm. actress. I might do it as a motivational speaker. I might do it as a as being a helpful friend, yeah, my but even not even just professionally. I even if it's not professionally, it could be um, being there for a friend, say, having a kind kind word to say to somebody, giving somebody a smile on a bad day. I'm fulfilling my purpose daily. Purpose is daily, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, when, like you said, that's your north star for you, Chisa. Um, and so that actually brings me to like our final question. We usually ask all of our guests um, because this industry is not for the faint of heart, as you all know, <laughs> at all. I feel like everybody in the entertainment industry, we are warriors. You just cannot see our stripes and our scars, period. <laughs> Especially as women, uh, people of color. So um, we always ask everybody, um, what ignites your motivation and how do you stay consistent and persistent in following your dreams? And so Landy, you can go first and then Chisa, you can go second. Love. Mm. It's the greatest thing, right? Like to love. Um, I don't know if like, like break out in the song, love. Yes, I'll let you sing. You do not want, you would not she love my singer Yeah, you know, it's such, ships a sail it, it it helps us it motivates us it gets us through so much but it's you know also just expands our heart and love for each other mm -hmm. um and also love for what you're doing i think that that's where as you get older you're like am i doing this for the right reasons do i really love it and will it love me back i think that's mm -hmm. the other question because mm -hmm. sometimes we do things that love that we love they don't love us back. Same thing with people, but we'll just talk about, you know, all of that. And and so for me, that's really where it stands. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I also love your scarf. Can we just talk about that? Can I give a shout out? To, to we my cannot. Dear, my dear friend, Amanda, who doesn't want me to say her last name, she's over in the corner, who is my stylist and dear friend and is helping me right now in ways that no one else will know. Talk about love. Anyway. Shout out to Amanda and the green scarf. We love it. <laughs> All right, Chisa, what about you? Uh, I think it. My my chief motivation is responsibility. Mm -hmm. um, I just want to do right by my my people. <laughs> like I just want to do right, you know. And I I um, sure there are like other things factoring into it but that that and i may not get it right you know I'm, I'm not perfect i don't i won't get it perfect every time like you can't please everybody but um but i really 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 hope that um you know that my desire to 
to bear that to bear the responsibility of representing my people. Like I really, I really hope that that's um, that it at least comes through, that it at least you know shines <laughs> in the work, and that the people, um, the people that I'm representing, that they feel loved, and that they feel. Um, yeah, that they feel like I've done right by them and that they feel proud, right? To mm -hmm. to see themselves in my work. That's what I, that's what mm -hmm. drives me. I love that. That is so beautiful, you guys. So where can we find the subject? Where can audience and our listeners find the subject? Um, is it streaming on all platforms? Well, it will be out on demand um, on October 22nd. So they can see it like Apple, iTunes, you know, Amazon. We're on many networks, Cox, Spectrum, et cetera. So get it on demand wherever. And there are some lucky people um, there are some lucky people that can also see it in theaters. Um, sorry, I've just got a little interruption, but um, it's okay. in various cities, including New York, LA, um, Seattle, really Detroit, and a theater that asked to screen it that wasn't, we didn't ask them in, in Frankfurt, Michigan. So I want to give them a big shout oh, out. Thank yeah. you. We hope, we hope people Yay. turn out. All right, Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and where can people follow you both on social media? I'm at uh, Chisa BH on Instagram, Chisa Hutchinson on Facebook, Chisa Hutchinson on Twitter, and <laughs> my website is ChisaHutchinson.com. <laughs> Which, if you want to read a bio, read Chisa's bio. You will never think of a bio the same way again. Oh, yes. wow. Okay. I'm going to look at your bio so I have my bio together for my book. <laughs> yes, yes. Wait till you read her bio. You'll, you'll be amazed. It's awesome. And for me, you can follow me at Landstress, so L-A-N-S-T-R-E-S-S -S -S, on Instagram. Yay. Well, everybody, make sure that you watch the subject when it is released. Follow these lovely ladies on social media. Thank you both for coming to the show. I really appreciated our conversation. It was like, I feel like we were like really on a couch. <laughs> we're in Jesus' basement and like, yeah, watch, yeah. Watch. we just were watching the movie. Next time, next time we will be. It's a great, it's a Oh great yes, time. I know. You know, it's so interesting because we're virtual, but I never thought about the reality of like once the pandemic is over actually meeting with people in person. So maybe that'll be phase two of the podcast. <laughs> I would love it. Live from Chisa's screening room. I love yes, it. Yes, I think that's your next venture. I think it's all about, you know, it's gonna be about conversations in the basement with your cool exposed brick. Oh yeah. You know, so you have a projector there. I no, no, we just have a big ass TV, but okay. Well, that <laughs> well with the TV, with the big TV, and just having conversation about cinema and filmmaking. Mm -hmm. I can like see it, can't you? We're out here manifesting, guys. Yes, like, yes. do you see us? Oh, you see no. us? Seriously, I'll, I'll be for it, man. We can see. There's plenty of room to set up some stuff. You're, yeah, have at it. Let's go. Ladies, <laughs> stay on. Um, for stay on after the call, so I can just say bye to you all. Um, thank you guys for listening and watching. You can watch us or listen to us every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're making sure we get our times right. So we thank you all and have a wonderful day. Thank you for. We're gonna really appreciate yes. it.